right, folks, we're going to look at, uh, we're in lesson 23 today, and we're going to look at a book called Nahum, okay? Nahum. Now, before I, be, today is just introductory material, okay? So uh, how many of you have read the three chapters of Nahum? Okay, anybody remember what Nahum was about? No, okay, it left that big of an impression upon you. Okay, uh, when you're on Facebook and you see scripture verses being quoted on Facebook, when's the last time you saw a verse from Nahum? No, no, you're not, I, you, probably not. Now, why am I bringing this up? Nahum is probably the least read book of the Bible. It is the least read book of the Bible. Now, it's God's word, but we don't tend to go there. Okay, and it's probably because of its message. You don't hear. You won't hear. How many of you remember a sermon on Nahum? Anybody remember a sermon? No. Anybody ever remember a preacher referring to Nahum? No, not not at all. Have you? Okay. So it's the least read book, but it's a very important book, and it's going to convey a very important message. So we're going to talk about Nahum, who is from Judah. And so let's take a look at this. Nahum is about, is a prophecy against Nineveh. Now, anybody know where Nineveh is? What kingdom were they a part of? Anybody? What's the big bad guy that we've been dealing with for a while now? It's on the tip of your tongue. The Assyrians, okay? So... I'll show you a picture here of the Assyrian Empire. This is around 650 B.C. You can see how much they are covering there. Uh, all the way from the north in what is today modern Turkey and Iran. Okay? All the way down here into what is the Egypt of the Egyptian. All the way down here into what we call Babylon. Down what is modern day Iraq today. Okay? Now... What are we going to see here? Well, first thing I want you to notice is, is that Nahum prophesied sometime between the fall of Thebes. So in the book, it mentions the fall of Thebes. Now, remember I told you Thebes is in Egypt. So sometime between the fall of Thebes, which happened around 663 B.C., and the fall of Nineveh, which happened in 612 B.C., when the Babylonians destroyed Nineveh, okay? Nineveh was a contemporary of the prophets Jeremiah. So he was, during the time of Jeremiah, Nahum, excuse me, Nahum was a, not Nineveh, Nahum was a contemporary of Jeremiah, Habakkuk, or some people would say Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. So these are the th three other prophets during this time. Nahum is a prophet as well, okay? Now, the prophecy of Nahum, now this is interesting, okay? Remember, all right, let me just stop. Let me go back here. Let me, remember I told you, when we look at the minor prophets, we're looking at it to see what God is saying to Israel at the time so that we can, what, learn lessons from it for ourselves, right? Okay? And uh, it's not necessary for our 
country, because we're talking about if we're going to have an application today, it's for God's people, right? Now, the problem with Nahum is this. It's not a problem. The prophecy of Nahum does not touch upon the internal conditions of Judah and Jerusalem. The prophecy doesn't even talk about Judah and Jerusalem. It's not about Judah and Jerusalem at all. Isn't that amazing? So what's the problem there for us if we're going to read this? It's about Nineveh. So is there a problem now when we're reading this and we're trying to gain some insight for ourselves? What, what would the problem be? It's not talking to God's people, or it appears that it's not talking to God's people, okay? And so if, if, it, if it's talking to a group of heathen, pronouncing judgment, is, there, is it hard for us to find application there? Would you, would you agree with that? Some of you look confused. Is the coffee okay this morning? Okay, yes, that is true, John. What we're going to see is, is that while it doesn't talk about Judah and Jerusalem, although I think it does mention one time, it's hope for them. Because the prophecy is against their what? Oppressors and enemy, yes. Yeah, because by this point when Nahum is prophesying, the Assyrians have already come to the very gates of Jerusalem. So that is, they have destroyed everything else. They have taken some of the Judeans away in what? Captivity. Except for those who were in Jerusalem. And so here is a prophecy that is announcing the destruction and judgment of the capital city of their mortal enemy. And while it doesn't talk about the nation specifically, it would be what? An encouraging thing. Okay, so let me, let me give you an application, okay? So who are, the, who are the main threats today to the United States? For, I'm not talking domestically, okay? I, I don't really want to hear that. I'm talking about when we look at the world scope picture, who are the main threats? China and Russia, not Venezuela, not Bolivia, or Chile, okay, no, not, not even El Salvador, right? Though the China and Russia, okay, let's say God moved a prophet today and he wrote a prophecy, I'm, this won't happen today, but let's say he wrote a prophecy announcing judgment upon China and Russia, describing in detail their destruction and judgment. And you, who are part of the church, you get that prophecy. What would that? What would you get from that? Hope, like okay, you're taking care of our enemy, right? You I'm saying you're taking care of something that's going to be a concern. God, you, there is hope in you. You're watching out after us. Did you understand what I'm saying? This is what this is what the book is to convey through its judgment is hope for Judah and Jerusalem. Okay? That God's going to take care of the enemy. Now let's talk about uh, the name. 
Okay, so the prophet name means consolation or consoler. Consolation or consoler. Do you understand what a consoler is? Let's say Rob had a flat tire and he's grieved because he's got a flat tire. I'm going to come over and what? Console him. I'm a consoler. Rob, it'll be okay. You know, we'll get that tire fixed or you'll get a new one, buddy. It'll be all right. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm a consoler, right? I'm trying to what? Console him in his grief or his anxiety. Isn't it interesting that prophet's name would be this, okay? In a sense... The name is symbolic of the message the book conveys. So I thought this book was about judgment. Yeah, but it's a consolation to who? To Judah and Jerusalem, right? It's a consolation that God is in control, all right? It's a consolation. Now, the book was intended to comfort the oppressed and afflicted people of Judah. Okay, so the book, the whole purpose of the book then is to comfort them because they've been afflicted and they're oppressed. Oppressed by who? The Assyrians. Okay, now let's talk about where he's from. So the prophecy identifies Nahum as being from Elkosh. Elkosh. Well, if you were to look on a map today for Elkosh, if you Google it, okay, might be there, but the reality is we don't really know where it is, okay? Somewhere in Judah, the location of Elkosh is unknown. It might have just been a crossroads. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? It might have just been a crossroads. So, like, if you tell, like, we have crossroads around here. They're not really... Uh, like, I think near us is a place called frugality. Have you guys ever been through frugality? What's in frugality? It's just a cross, it's just a few houses. Okay? Now, if you told people, I'm from frugality, well, where is that? They get on Google Map, look for frugality, PA, or is it going to come up? I don't think so. Did, Bruce is going to try it. <laughs> you know, but I mean, for it, it, do you understand? It's a crossroads, possibly a crossroads. Nobody knows for sure where he's from, okay? But he's from Judah, all right? From Judah. Now, we know nothing about, it's, it's very typical of these prophets, isn't it? We know nothing about the prophet's background and occupation. This is not some prominent guy. We don't know anything about him. The book doesn't tell us what he did. It doesn't tell us how he lived. It doesn't tell us anything. It doesn't tell us about his family. It doesn't tell us what happened to him after he gave this prophecy. It doesn't say anything. Do we need to know that? No, no, this is God's word. We understand that it's God's word and it has, has a message for us, okay? So now let's talk about, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, okay? <clears throat> the occasion and the purpose and the themes of the book, okay? So the book of Nahum stands in con sharp, stark contrast to the book of Jonah, 
So everybody remember Jonah? This book is the exact opposite of Jonah. Now, where did Jonah go and prophesy at? Nineveh, right? What was the outcome of that? Yeah, the people repented in Nineveh. They turned to, quote, turned to God, whatever that meant, you know what I'm saying? They turned from their evil, all right, and acknowledged God. Now when we get to Nahum, it's a completely different message. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a stark contrast. Also, just to remind you, Jonah was before Nahum, so he's not from the same time period. He's, he, remember, was in the northern kingdom. By this point, this book is being written. The northern kingdom has already been, has disappeared for at least 60 years. Okay? So there is no northern kingdom during this time period when Nahum is writing. But remember, Jonah was prophesying during the time of Jeroboam II. So the reality is, is that, so this is two different time frames in this empire's history. So this is a stark contrast. So Jonah was driven to proclaim a message of judgment that leads to God's mercy, even though he didn't want it. Now remember, what was Jonah's attitude? Did he really want them to turn from the Lord? Did he, what was he wanting? He wanted judgment to happen, right? Okay. He would have been happy with with Nahum's message. Do you understand what I'm saying? He would have been happy with Nahum's message. But when we look at Jonah, Jonah was driven to proclaim a message of judgment that leads to God's mercy. All right? Now, however, Nineveh's, Nahum's prophecy, why do I keep saying Nineveh? Nahum's prophecy is about the burden of Nineveh and its certainty. The book uses the term burden of Nineveh, meaning the judgment, the destruction. That's the burden they're bearing, is what they're going to endure. Okay? Do you, do you understand why the scripture would use that term burden? Have you ever be, been through a hard time, even, even if you're facing difficulties that you created yourself? What does it feel like? Oh, it feels great, George. I'm glad I'm going through this. Yeah, it feels like a burden. Yeah, so the burden of Nineveh, okay? The burden of Nineveh. So the only message of hope, I think it's one verse, is addressed to Judah. That's the only message of hope here, is to Judah. Isn't that wild? You think that's odd? What are your thoughts about that? I see some confused, like pondering looks like, I don't know, George, I don't know what you What are you thinking? Anyone? Is this abnormal for the Bible? Do you think this is abnormal? When you consider all of the 66 books, this message of judgment being conveyed, but the only hope is for God's people, do you think that's abnormal to the Scripture? 
Yes, you're right, Bruce. And particularly with Israel, you typically he, he pronounces judgment on them, but still gives them hope. Here, we're looking at a, an, a pagan, uh, I want you, a Gentile nation who does not worship him, who is an enemy. And the only hope is given to Judah, to God's people. Yes, okay. Is that new to the scripture? Can anybody else name another book where you have a similar type message? Okay. Gentiles, unbelievers, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So Bruce thinks there's parts there. Is that what? what, what be? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else got a, another thought? Something different than Bruce? Okay. Yes. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Revelation, because in Revelation it is a pronouncement of three series of judgments upon Wahoo. Who's the series of judgments upon, folks? Not Nineveh, but unbelievers, yes, the nations. And up to, I mean, and there's no hope there. When you read through those three chapters, now there is hope in that you hear of martyrs and of people who, who do come to faith and so forth. But by the time you get to chapter 19, when Jesus comes and ends everything, do you understand, and establishes his kingdom, the only hope is for who? Yeah, believers, the church, the, the you know those who are God's people. That and Israel. There's the, that's the only hope. So so what we see here in Nahum is not unusual that he would pronounce a judgment, and the only hope is for those who are God's people. Now, is Revelation a comfort to you? Is Revelation, the book of Revelation, a comfort to you when you read it? Hopefully it is. Yeah, especially when you get to chapters 20, 21, and 22, when it talks about the millennial kingdom, the eternal state. You know what I'm saying? It, and In fact, the whole message throughout Revelation is to him who overcomes. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony. Do you understand? To him who overcomes and... The reality is holding on. Holding on is the theme through revelation for God's people. Hold on. You have a hope. Jesus is coming. And so that book is a consolation to us, right? It should be a consolation, right? Although I find many Christians don't know revelation, so they get freaked out. Would you agree with that one? The less you know about it, the more likely you are to get freaked out about it. You know what I'm saying? But it's the same thing with Nahum. So Nahum is a book that is a prophecy against the enemy of Israel, an enemy of God. And God is saying, I'm going to deal with them, but the hope and the comfort is to who? Israel. Okay, Israel. God's people. And so the relevance is for you and I. What do you think the relevance would be for you and I today, if we think about that? When you have a message like this, 
What's the relevance to you and I? What were you saying, Ron? There's hope for us. In what way? Anybody got a? In what way? Or, or, or let me. Does everybody have a peachy keen, perfect life here, where you have nobody that does you wrong, where you have no enemies, everybody loves you? Is this is this the world that we live in? No. It, and how does a book like this? and even like Revelation, how does it give us hope in the world we live in? Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, there will be justice. We may not necessarily see it in our lifetime, right? But ultimately, God does bring what? Justice. He sets everything right. So hold on, okay? Hold on. Now, the problem is everybody wants justice right now, right? Everybody wants justice right now. Yeah, but I've been around, I, I, you know, I, I am 57. I haven't seen justice right now for a lot of people. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? And not even the ultimate justice. Because we live in a world, when you have a democracy, democracy is based on what? Compromise. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You can't exist without compromise in a democracy. And so we, we get irritated because what we thought should happen. You ever get like this? You read the This should have happened. It was straightforward. Did it happen? Well, some subtle form of it, but maybe some other things didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like you read today that they came to a budget agreement. So somebody got something over here and somebody got something over here and, and nobody's happy, but they're all happy. You know what I'm saying? That's normal, Right? But justice comes when? Later, when God brings it. So a book like this is supposed to put your hope where? Yeah, with, with, with God, with Christ. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who's going to ju judge and deal with people. Okay? He's going to set things right. Okay? Anybody got a thought there? Yes. Okay. Revelation, there is hope for people because there's still going to be people preaching the word. Yes. So people from any nation can technically become a believer during the Revelation and be, and be martyred for it. Okay? Yes. So here, that's not the case. I don't think anybody in Nineveh will become a, a Jew and be saved. There is no hope for that. Yes. Well, there is no hope for one group of people in Revelation. Those who take no, those who have taken the mark. Yeah, correct. And those who they, it says in the Bible that those who have heard the word and knew yes, I've become saved before. That there'll be a strong delusion for them. Yes. Yep. 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 So, so the reality is, maybe not in the extent because in Nineveh we're dealing with one particular people, but the greater concept that God would pronounce a judgment that would be a hope to God's people, I think that would be applicable. Maybe not as specific. Do you understand what I'm saying? In a general sense. You know, because, yes, there is hope, but while we know there are martyrs and those who come to faith, and many who come to faith, it's not like it is right now in, tribu in, the, in during the tribulation. Okay? 
All right, anybody else got a thought or a comment or maybe you don't like what we're talking about? Anybody? Now, when you look at a book like this, if you consider Nahum with the other prophets, what did the other prophets focus on when they were bringing their issues of judgment? What were they focusing on with their messages concerning God's people? They were doing a couple of things. They were what? Okay, we're focused on their disobedience, rebuking them for the disobedience and saying judgment is coming but also calling them to what? To repent, okay? Now, when you come to Nahum, you're not going to see that at all, okay? So does it seem like Nahum is ignoring, because by the way, when he's writing here, it's not like the nation was perfect, okay? Because remember, his contemporaries are existing, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Zephaniah, and we're going to look at two of them a little bit later, Habakkuk and uh, Zephaniah, and we're going to see that they're addressing sins in the nation, okay? So it's not like Nahum's not aware of their issues, but does it seem like he's glossing over the, the, uh, his own nation? Would it seem that way? Or maybe that's not his purpose. What would you say? I don't know, George. I would say it's not his purpose, okay? Because, all right, so it's like today. Think about it. So we've got, he's contemporaries with three, one really well-known prophet, Jeremiah. The other two are minor prophets. You maybe have heard of Zephaniah. Maybe you've heard of Habakkuk, okay? So each preacher has a different purpose for what he's called the ministry to do, Right? To bring a different message. So, for instance, we have in Kerwinsville, do you, I don't know if you know this, we have 10 churches in Kerwinsville. Okay? Maybe you never knew that. We've had 10 churches. Okay? Now, pretty much each of those churches have a pastor. Okay? Although there's one that just left and they're getting a new one. So, are all of the messages the same in those 10 churches? No, why would they be different? Okay, so the congregations are different, so maybe their needs are different, okay. Well, I'm hoping they are, yes. At least, I know of at least four that are, yes. Yeah. So, uh, five, I forgot one. Five that are. Uh, six, six, okay. A majority are, okay? All right, so... Having said that, but then each person is different, right? So I preach the way I preach because I'm a product of my education, but I'm also a product of my experiences, and that comes out of my preaching. So there's a difference in message and purpose. So Nahum, obviously, because this is the only book we have from him, obviously had a different purpose. And his purpose, because like his name, was to console. Because while they may not be doing right, 
they got a common enemy. And that's a big concern, right? Because they've seen the enemy already destroy their brethren in the northern kingdom. They've seen the enemy already take away most of Judah up to the gates of Jerusalem under Hezekiah. So, yeah, he's got a different message. So it's not a message of rebuke for Judah, but it's actually a message of rebuke and judgment for Nineveh. Okay? Okay, so we're going to get into it next week. Maybe we'll get through all three chapters next week. I think possibly we will. Maybe we'll stretch it out to two weeks. Depends on what I feel we need to go through here. But Nahum...